Well, good morning. What a pleasure and a joy it is to be here. We love your family. You are so blessed. You are so, so blessed with Pastors Lynn and Renee. And all of our family, we love you. It's a joy and an honor to be here. Amen. All right, that leaves you with me. Okay, all right. Um, I, I, I want to echo what my wife said, y'all. It is, it is a joy, an honor, and a privilege to be in this pulpit. Uh, your pastors, Pastor Lynn and Renee, are an inspiration. They're amazing. Um, you don't know how, how good you have it uh, when you have pastors who love you, care for you, pray for you, uh, seek the will of God for you. I would just invite you to give a round of applause to your pastors, Pastor Lynn and Renee. So amazing. Yeah, go ahead. Their, their generosity of spirit, their willingness to, to hand over the, the pulpit, their willingness to, to develop and grow the gifts of the people in this congregation is an inspiration, uh, and it's a thrill to be here. Um, I'm, I am honored. I, I, I was in uh, Caldwell, Idaho uh, many, many years ago. My first time in Caldwell uh, was, man, I was a little kid. Um, I've bucked hay in Caldwell, Idaho. I've milked cows in Rupert, Idaho. Uh, I've picked rocks out of fields around here. I mean, I've done some stuff in these parts. Um, and so I'm glad I'm not doing that right now. Uh, but man, it, it, it's, it's a joy and an honor to be back here. I actually preached in Caldwell one time when I was 19 years old. Uh, and, um, and, I, and this is when Pastor Norman Rutson uh, was the pastor of Valley Pentecostal Church and invited me to preach. Uh, and that was a brave move on his part. Um, so it's, it's a great, great joy and honor to be back here. I, I want to just take a moment and share a passage of Scripture on this, uh, on this Sunday that is a, a sort of a, an interesting, cryptic, kind of confusing passage of Scripture that a lot of us have probably heard but we're not quite sure what it means. We're not quite sure uh, how to interpret it or how to understand it. Um, but I'm going to read it to us, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into it and spend some time exploring the Word of God around this passage of Scripture. It's a very short Scripture. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, verse 9, and it just says this. It says, Do not call anyone on earth your father. For one is your father, he who is in heaven. Let me read that again. Do not call anyone on earth your father. For one is your father, he who is in heaven. Today, for the next few moments, I'm going to preach on the subject, everybody needs a father. Everybody needs a father. Would you take a moment, bow your heads, and let's pray together. God, you are so good to us. Your grace is so abundant. Your mercy endures forever. Your Holy Spirit is here with us even now in this moment. I pray that for the next few moments, our hearts would be open and soft. I hope and pray, Lord God, that the soil of our heart would be receptive to your word. I pray, Lord God, that in the next few moments, you would use your word to drill deep into the soil of our heart, 
plant a seed there, let it take root and grow within us and let great fruit grow from our lives as a result of the change that we experience in our heart by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit today. We honor you, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So I'm, I'm from St. Louis. We, we uh, pastor a church, as, as pastors Lynn and Renee said, in St. Louis. And in St. Louis, when you preach, people, people talk back to you. It's just a thing. You know, they, they'll give you an amen. They'll throw you a, a, a preach it, brother, every once in a while. So if you feel that, you can help me preach today. If you help me preach, I'll preach better, okay? All right. Um, I, I want to I point out um, a couple iconic moments in film history. Are there any film buffs, any movie buffs here today? Anybody like film? Okay. There are a couple iconic moments in the history of cinema that probably, whether you've seen these movies or not, probably all of you have some familiarity with. The first one is from a movie called Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Anybody ever seen this film? All right. There's an iconic moment. I think we've got a picture of the, okay. There's this moment in this movie. Now, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm about to, I'm about to give you a spoiler. All right. But if I spoil the movie for you, that's on you because this film came out in 1980. If you haven't seen it by now, that's your fault, not my fault. Okay. So, so there's this moment in the movie where a young Luke Skywalker, who is an aspiring Jedi, is, is, is fighting against this dark villain named Darth Vader. And they're having this, this battle, this epic battle for the, for the future of the galaxy. They've got their lightsabers and they're fighting back and forth and they're on the edge and they're getting closer and closer to battling it out. And suddenly Darth Vader takes his lightsaber and strikes Luke Skywalker in the arm. Some of you remember this. And his cuts off his, his hand. And Luke is now helpless in the grip of this evil, dark, tyrant villain, Darth Vader. Now, Darth Vader, in this moment, could have struck Luke Skywalker down and killed him. But he does something strange and unexpected. I can already see the, the movie geeks out there because you're just, yeah, there's a look on your face. So Darth Vader could have killed him in this moment. But he does something strange and unexpected. He says, Luke, together we could rule the galaxy. Join me on the dark side. And if you remember the movie, Luke says, I'll never join you. I will never join you. Darth Vader says, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I'm out. I, can, I can talk like James Earl Jones if I really get in there. Uh, oh, he says, Obi-Wan Kenobi never told you what happened to your father. Do you remember? Dar and, and Luke Skywalker says, he told me enough. He told me that you killed him. And then this crazy, wild, unexpected plot twist. Darth Vader says, No. I am your father. And you see this terror wash over the face of Luke Skywalker. Because suddenly in this moment, his entire identity, his entire reality is crumbling before him. His whole life, he thought that his father was this valiant, brave, courageous Jedi who was fighting for good. And in this moment, he realizes that his own father is an evil tyrant is a dictator, is trying to crush him. And, and, and Darth Vader says, join me, and together we'll fight. 
And, and if you remember the scene, Luke Skywalker just falls off the, the balcony and falls into the chasm of space. Washed over with terror because in that moment, he, he doesn't know who he is because he found out something about his father that he didn't know before and it changed something inside of him. Heavy moment. There's a lighter moment in another film. This is the last film I'm going to talk about. It's, it's the contrast to this. Some of you may know this film. It's called The Lion King. Now, in The Lion King, there's another father-child dynamic. But in The Lion King, the father is a good father. The father is a kind father. The father is, is a loving father and a powerful father and a father who fights for good and a father who fights for what is right. But, but the father's brother, Scar, is jealous of him and has him killed and if you remember, he goes to little Simba, the little, the little cub, and he makes Simba believe that it's Simba's fault that the father died. And he says, if, if, if it weren't for you, your father would still be alive. And Simba runs off from the, from the kingdom and hides, and his, his life is racked with shame and guilt and condemnation and an uncertainty about his future because in this case, his father was good and right and just. And the question that he's asking himself is, can I ever live up to that, that, in, that identity? Can I ever live up to who my father was? Can I ever be as good as him? Can I ever be as wise as him? Can I ever be as kind and strong and powerful as him? In both cases, whether the father was good or whether the father was evil, the identity of the child is wrapped up in the identity of the father. The reason these moments are poignant in film, the reason we're still talking about these moments in, in the Star Wars case 40 years later, is because there's something in the film that grasps the heart of every single one of us. Because every single one of us knows that the nature of our relationship with our father or the lack thereof, has a profound impact on our own sense of self-worth, our own sense of identity, our own sense of value, our own sense of destiny, and our own sense of purpose. If you're taking notes, just write down this note. Your relationship with your father impacts your sense of worth, value, purpose, and identity. This is a fundamental reality that whether you're young or old, rich or poor, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever socioeconomic you come from, PhD or GED, what, wherever you come from, this reality impacts every single one of us. Our relationship with our fathers impact our relationship with ourselves. The way we view our father impacts the way we view ourselves. In the case of, of, of Luke, He's aspiring to be different from his father, and he doesn't know if he can be. In the case of Simba, he's aspiring to be like his father, and he doesn't know if he can be. Either way, the identity of the individual in the, the character in the movie is impacted by the nature of the relationship that they have with their father. Today, there are many of us who have experienced, and many even here and, and online, who have experienced uh, a, a difficult or a strained relationship with your father, with your earthly father. Maybe your father was absent or neglectful or abusive or distant, emotionally distant. And this relationship, this dynamic that you had or didn't have 
with your father has had an, uh, an impact on your own emotional life and the way that you move through the world and your own relationships that you're able to form as you move through life. Some, some people will experience what are called father wounds. That's the kind of wound that you experience when you had a strained, difficult, or absent relationship with your father. The, the results of that can be that you'll experience sometimes deep emotional pain a low sense of your own value or worth. Sometimes you'll experience chronic anger and aggression. Uh, Some people will respond by creating overly rigid boundaries around their life because they need to keep everything in control so that they don't get hurt again. They'll sometimes form unhealthy relationships as a result of the unhealthy relationship that they had from their primary uh, uh, father. Um, they, sometimes people will engage in abusive cycles where the thing that you hated the most is the thing that you replicate or duplicate in your own life. Uh, sometimes people will choose uh, emotionally absent partners because it, it's, a, it's the only way that they know how to relate to other people. Sometimes they'll experience social withdrawal and not be able to have intimate, loving, open relationships with others. Some people, even though you may have had a good father or a healthy relationship with your father, it will still impact you because you'll be asking the question, can I live up to this? Can I step into this? There's a moment in the, in the Lion King where the little, the little lion cub, Simba, puts his footprint in the big paw print of, of, of Mufasa. And he, he, he doesn't know if he's going to be able to live up to that. And so even when we have a good relationship with our father, it impacts us deeply in terms of how we are going to grow and develop and, and our own emotional state and all of this. Our, our relationship with our father has a profound impact on our identity, which leads to point number two, which is this. All of us long for the love of a father. Everybody, no matter who you are, longs for the love of a father. What I've noticed as a pastor is when I'm communicating with someone about this topic, uh, often the most reticent they are, often the most uh, blocked off they are, where where they'll deny, "I I I don't need a father in my life. What I find is those are often the ones that are the most hurt because they've actually built up a wall of protection around them and they're afraid to even admit that they long for the loving care of a father. Everybody longs for a father. I have four children, and um, we had three boys, Jameson, Lincoln, and Augustine. And I asked my wife, I said, after three, I said, can we just have one more? Because I just want a girl, and I want to have a little girl. And she said, no, I'm done. And I said, okay. And the next day I said, could we just have one more? I just want one more. And we went on a date. We went on a date to have, the, to have a family conversation about this. And on the date, she said, listen, we've had three boys. They're all healthy. Everybody's doing well. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, feeling like, I'm feeling like I'm done. And I said, okay, I respect that, babe. That's it. We're done. We're, we'll just have three boys, and that'll be it. And we went home. We went to bed. The next morning, she woke up. She said, okay, one more. That's all you're getting. One more. So, so, so uh, not long after that, we had a beautiful little baby girl. Her name is Eden. Yeah. Come on, mom, dad, moms, uh, dad, daughters. Uh, and so, so we, have, we have this little girl. And what was fascinating is that when she was very young, it seemed that she didn't need my affection. She was a total mama's girl. Like, I would literally be trying to get her attention, like, hey, I'm your dad over here. And she was just kind of like one of those girls who's like, nah, I'm good. I'm with mom. 
She's warmer, softer, cuddlier, nicer, feeds me, hugs me, you know. And I was doing everything I could to get her attention because I, I wanted her to like me. In fact, I remember one time, I, one time I, she, got, she was maybe three or four, and I threw her what I thought was a softball. I sat down with her. I go, Eden, who's your favorite daddy in the whole world? Who's your favorite daddy? Now, there's an obvious answer to that. Amen, somebody? The answer is, you are, dad, right? That's just the, uh, that was a softball. I go, Eden, who's your favorite daddy in the world? And she starts to think about it. And I could tell, she's like, she's really thinking about it. I'm like, what is she thinking about? I go, baby, who's your favorite daddy in the whole world? She finally goes, Eden Schomburg's dad is pretty nice. I kind of like him. I was like, what? Eat, what? That was one of her, oh, Ruby Schomburg. Yeah, that was her little friend's dad. I was like, wow. But anyway, uh, after a while, <laughs> something flipped. And now she's seven. Uh, now she can't get enough of her daddy. It's just so good. She's like, dad, will you come and make jewelry with me? And I'm like, you bet I will. You better believe. Will you come and dress my stuffies? And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but we're going to do it. Okay. <laughs> Could you help me with my Barbies? I'm in whatever. Right. But what happened is that something shifted in her. And suddenly now she wants the attention. She wants the affection. She wants the, 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 um, the attention of her father. She wants her father to love her, to show her emotion, to, 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 to let her know that, that I love her. She wants this. In fact, this is something that all my boys experience. They, all my, 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 the three older boys too, they want the affirmation of their father. They'll say, Dad, watch me, watch me draw this picture. Look at this picture I drew, Dad. What do they want? They want me to go, that's a good picture. I'm proud of you. That's a good. Watch me dribble this soccer ball, Dad, right? Watch me, watch me make this video, Dad. Look at this video I made. Isn't this cool? They want the affirmation. They want the acceptance of their father. It's a universal longing in the soul of every single human being. We all long for the love of a father. We, we, we long for a father who will love us unconditionally. That's what we want. We long for a father who will protect us fiercely. We long for a father who will lead us wisely. We long for a father who will support us and strengthen us powerfully. Each of us longs for a father who will accept us, affirm us, embrace us, and delight in us. We actually see this picture in the Bible. Some of you may remember the story of Joseph, Joseph in the coat of many colors. Joseph had a, a relationship, a special relationship with his father. His father loved Joseph. Joseph's father loved Joseph. And Joseph loved his father. And in fact, it was the dynamic, it was that relationship between the father and Joseph that made Joseph's brothers jealous. And if you remember the story from, from Sunday school, Joseph's father, fa, uh, brothers were so jealous that they initially plotted to kill him. And they ended up throwing, throwing him in a pit. And Joseph, I, I'll, I'll summarize the story, goes from the pit to a prison to the palace. He, he was one of these guys that just everywhere he went, God's favor was upon him. Everything he touched, God turned it into good. And, and in fact, he became the second in charge of all of Egypt. Pharaoh put his signet ring on Joseph, put his gold chain on him, put his robe on him, gave him his chariot. Joseph became Number two in the kingdom of Egypt. Jo the Pharaoh said, everybody bow down and, 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 and obey this, this man. He is my second in command. And if you recall, there was a famine in the land and Joseph's brothers come 
because they need grain and they need corn, and they come before him, and they don't recognize him. They don't r- recognize that he's the, the brother that they, th- that they threw into the pit and sold into slavery. And so in this moment there, where they're in the court, and he's looking at them, and they're looking at him, he finally reveals himself. He says, I'm your brother, Joseph. I'm your brother. And it's this powerful and deeply emotional moment where they're terrified because, oh my gosh, you know, we threw him into the pit, and what's he going to do? And he says, listen, I forgive you. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. And so I'm going to embrace you, and I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to bring corn, and I'm going to make sure you have, your families are fed. But then he says something fascinating. His heart immediately turns to his father. How's my father? Where's my father? Bring me, he says, my father. I want to see my father. So his brothers go back to their land, and they get their father, and they have to tell their dad, hey, remember Joseph, who you grieved all these years, who you, went, you were going to go to the grave grieving him? He's alive, and he's in Egypt, and he wants to see you. And there's this powerful moment in Genesis chapter um, 46, I believe. This powerful moment. I'll read it off the screen. Where it says, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, this is such a powerful moment. He threw his arms around his father and he wept for a long time. This is, you got to remember this. This is a man who has climbed to the highest levels, highest levels of power, highest levels of government, highest powers of economics. This is a person who has made it in life. But when he saw his father, he clung to his neck and wept for a long time. Why? Everybody needs a father. Everybody needs a father. This brings us back to the verse that we started with. I want to look back at it, Matthew 23, where Jesus says, Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Now, why does Jesus say this? What is Jesus trying to say? What is he trying to teach us? We know that he's not, he's not simply banning or prohibiting the word dad or father, right? So we're, we're still allowed to use the word father. In fact, they do it all throughout the scripture. He's not saying you can't say that word. What he's saying is don't expect any human being on the planet to be able to provide you with the love you need, the power you need, the discipline you need, the forgiveness you need, the mercy you need, the justice you need, the strength you need. Don't put anybody in the position that only God can fill. He's saying saying to us, your heart longs for something that no human being on the planet can ever fill. Your heart longs to be fully affirmed, fully embraced, fully known, fully loved, and there's not a man on the planet that can do that for you. Don't put the weight on someone else to do only what God can do. Nobody can carry that weight. No one is going to be able to to bring you that, that level of affirmation and hope that you need. No one can accomplish that. Even the best father on the planet cannot ultimately give you what you need. Only God has the power to fill that. 
So he's saying, when you take the weight off of another human being and put the weight on God, then all of the other relationships in your life find their right level. They find their right status. All of the other relationships in your life find their, their, their right balance because you've put all of your weight on God. You've said, God, only you can give me what I need. I can't get from anybody else the longing that I have in my soul. Only you can give me what I need. I know this from personal experience. In 2004, my father passed away, and, and many of you knew him. And he was, he was, the, he was the Mufasa. He was, <laughs> he was a good man. He was a godly man. He was a God-fearing man and a good pastor and a good husband and a good father. And when he died, I experienced a void in my life. I experienced a loss. I experienced a, a profound chasm in my spirit, me personally. I just, something just emptied out inside of me, and I did not know uh, what, what to do because I had lost that, that anchor in my life. I had lost that rock. I had lost that person who helped to inform my identity and helped to inform my destiny. And in that time of my life, I needed a father. I needed a father. Now, one of the things that makes this uh, day so special for me is that I get to preach in front of Pastor Norman Rutson. And uh, I told my cousins on the way here, there may be tears on this Sunday morning. There may be some. some but, but Pastor Norman Rutson stepped in for me when I needed a father. He stepped in in profound ways that I'll never fully be able to communicate. He stepped in to help me with my career choices. He stepped in to help me with my relationship. Rebecca and I were dating, and, and in those early days of dating, you just, it's like you, things are going up and down and crossways and this way and that. Pastor Norman Rutson was, was an anchor for me, gave me wisdom, gave me clarity, gave me purpose, helped me understand my sense of destiny and, and my calling and what God was calling me to do. He was everything that I needed in that moment of my life, in that period of my life. But even the best father, the best man, the wisest, kindest, gentlest human being on the planet that I know, you can't expect a human being to fill the void that you feel in your soul. Even the best cannot fill that longing. Every human being is born with a spiritual longing, a longing for the true father, a longing for the one, the father in heaven. And in my soul of souls, I kept longing for that void to be filled. About five years ago, I think it was roughly five years ago, I was sitting at the kitchen table, and my wife was in the kitchen, and I was sitting there, and, and out of the blue, in, it was like on a Sunday afternoon, I just, I'm a, I'm a pretty buoyant personality, like I'm a happy, pretty happy guy, like I enjoy laughing, I enjoy a good time. But my wife could see that I just felt down. She could tell that I just felt depressed and upset. She said, what's wrong? What's, what's going on? What's, what's happening? What's going on? Is everything okay? And sitting at the kitchen table on that day, I don't, know, I don't even know how I knew how to articulate it. I just said out loud to her, go, I need a father. I need a father. That's what I need. That's what I, that's what I long for. I need a father. 
And in that moment, church, I want to just tell you, in that moment, it was as clear to me as my conversation is with you today. The Lord spoke in my heart. (laughs) And it was just profound. I said, God, I need a father. And God spoke into my heart and he said, you already have a father. You're, you already have a, I'm your father. I'm, I'm the one that gives you everything you need. I'm your protector. I'm the source of your identity. I'm the source of your strength. I'm the one that can guide you and lead you. I can take you where you, I'm your father. You already have what you need. Now I grew up in church. I've been praying our father who art in heaven. I've been, I've known this all my life. But there is a shift that can happen when the truth of God's word, the fatherhood of God, goes from here to here. You want to talk about, you want to talk about healing. When God becomes your father, everything in your life changes. Everything in your life changes. Because suddenly you realize you have everything you need. Everything you've ever longed for, everything that you hope for, all of your destiny, all of your purpose, it is there available to you in God the Father. He is your Father. So when Jesus says, don't call any man Father but he who is in heaven, what he's saying is, no, for real. God's your Father. God's your Father. You didn't know your father? God's your father. You had an absentee father? God's your father. You had a great father? God's your father. You had a good father? God's your father. You had a mixed bag, sometimes good, sometimes bad. God's your father, right? He's everything you need. God is your father. And in that moment, can I just tell you, church, I'm just telling you, for me, it was a fundamental shift. It changed the way I interacted with my spouse. It changed the way I interacted with my children. changed the way I interacted with uh, other pastors, my friends. It fundamentally shifted something in me because suddenly for the very first time in my life, the longing that I had in my heart was filled completely. God became my father. My prayer, my prayer for you today, and, I, and there might be two people that experience this. Or there might be three people. There might just be one person. My prayer today is that for somebody, this shift happens today. Where you suddenly go from, yeah, no, I know God is Father. I mean, I've, I've read that. I've seen that. In the Bible. To like, oh, my God, profound insight, profound revelation, profound change, where you understand for real, honestly, truly, God is your Father. And I'm going to tell you in just the next few moments what happens to you when God is your Father. Here's what happens to you. Number one, when God is your Father, you have nothing to fear. When God is your father, you have nothing, nothing to fear. When I was a little kid, we went on a, a vacation to, the, to Virginia Beach. We went out into the ocean. I was just a little kid. My dad took me by the hand. We walk out into the water. I don't know if you've ever been there, but the waves come in, man. The waves come in. Bang, the waves hit us in the sand, and there's an undertow. And the wave knocked me out of my father's grip and pulled me down under the water. My back was going along the bottom of the sand. And in that moment, for, as a little child, for just a moment, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get swept out to sea. I'm a goner here. And I just started floating right out to the water. And suddenly, I feel a hand grab me. Boom, pull me up out of the water, a powerful hand. And I look up, and there's my dad. And he pulls me up, and he holds me. And in that moment, I go, my, my protector, my protector. He, he, here's my protector who saved me from, from danger, right? But the truth is he can't be there all the time. And for those of you who are fathers, you know how limited your ability to protect your children really are. 
You can protect them from some things, but then there are times where you go, man, I'm, this is beyond my scope. I'm, this is past me. What well, we took our, our kids to Opryland Hotel one time, and we, it was packed. It was on, on uh, Christmas, uh, Christmas break, thousands of people. And our little family is in the elevator, and it was packed. And our two-year-old son, Augustine, the elevator door opens. He walks out. Elevator door closed. And I got to tell you, man, you want to you talk about a, a dad that was freaking out. I'm like, give me it. Like, where's my son? And I realized in this moment, I have no ability to protect this child. Right? My power as a father is limited. Thank God we ran down the stairwell and I found, found him down on the floor, just uh, on the second floor, just going like, eh, just taking it in, looking at the lights. He was fine. But, but the reality was I realized in that moment, my ability to protect as a father is limited. Your, your earthly father's ability to protect you is limited. Your ability to protect your own children is limited. God's ability to protect you is unlimited. When God is your father, you have nothing to fear. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you, look at this, with His feathers. And under His wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Look at the image of God taking you up under his wings saying, nobody's going to hurt you. Nothing's going to hurt you. You are my child. I am your protector. When God is your father, you have nothing to fear. Number two, when God is your father, your path becomes clear. When God is your father, you have divine guidance. Sometimes we need guidance. Sometimes we need, we don't know which way to go. Sometimes we're going the wrong way. When God is your father, your path is clear. Your direction is clear. My sister, Sharinda, who spoke here a couple weeks ago, and my younger sister, Christy, when they were little, they were going to take a road trip. We lived in St. Louis, Missouri. They were going to take a road trip to, to, to Lancaster, Ohio, which is north of us, north of St. Louis. They got in the car. They were like 16. Sharinda was like 16 years old. This is back in the days of the Atlas, where you have the big Atlas, you know, and you got that thing, and you got the marker, and you're drawing it all out and all that. They had the Atlas. They're drawing there, and they were gone. They took off from St. Louis. They were gone for about six hours, and then we get a phone call. My sister called from a payphone and a gas station, and I, I remember to this day, she calls my dad. My dad goes, hello? She goes, Dad, is Memphis on the way to Lancaster? Now, some of you are geographically challenged like me. Uh, Memphis is down here. Lancaster is up here. St. Louis is right in the middle. She was going the exact wrong direction, right? She needed to call her father to get some direction. She needed to call her father to get some guidance. Somebody today needs to call their father to get some direction. Somebody needs to call their father to get some guidance because sometimes in life, we think we're going to Lancaster, we're going to Memphis. And God's saying, no, 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 no. Ask me and I'll point you in the right direction. Ask me and I'll head you in the right way. Proverbs 3 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and what? He shall direct your path. He's gonna get you where you need to go. When God is your father, your path is clear. This is a praying church. I know this is a praying church. I'm going to give you one insight about prayer. When the Apostle Paul speaks about prayer in the New Testament, if you look up the word prayer used throughout the New Testament, it's a Greek word. The Greek word is prosuke. Go to Strong's Concordance. Look this up. Prosuke means mutual exchange 
of wishes. Mutual exchange of wishes. A lot of times when we think of prayer, we think of a monologue. God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I need your help with this. I got to do that. What about this? What about that? And then we wrap it up and we're done praying. Can you imagine having that conversation with your spouse or with, you know, your, your, somebody you love? Here's what we're going to do. Boom, boom, boom. And then you're out. No. Prosuke, prayer, is a mutual exchange of wishes. That's a dialogue. That's not a monologue. And a dialogue goes like this. God, I need your wisdom and I need your guidance because I'm getting ready to do something. I'm not sure if I should do it. I need to know which direction I go. Then we zip it and we listen. And God says, let me give you some guidance and direction. Let me point you in the right direction. Prayer is a mutual exchange of wishes, which means that when we pray for guidance, we need to to listen to the guidance that is offered because it's there. It's available. So when God is your father, your path is clear. Number three, when God is your father, you know who you are. This fundamentally hits you at the identity level. When God is your father, you begin to understand who you truly are. Because your mind doesn't always tell you the truth about who you are. Your internal dialogue doesn't always tell you the truth about who you are. In fact, it's often very flawed. It's often a a, a negative, exaggerated, and distorted picture of who you really are. And so you need, to, you need to know, you need to get in relationship with God as your father because God's going to tell you who you really are. Sometimes when we, when we fail, that failure in our mind turns from an event to an identity. Has anybody ever had that happen? Something went wrong and suddenly it's not just an event, it becomes your identity. Uh, I had uh, my, one of my sons uh, was in his first wrestling tournament not long ago. And his first competitor, he got out on the mat and he wrestled this competitor, and he beat this competitor seven to zero. Just, just, just cleared him out. Just awesome. My son comes strutting off the mat feeling pretty good. The second competitor, things didn't go so well. Second competitor was a little more experienced, a little stronger, and took him out and mopped the floor with him. And my son came up off the mat, and in that moment, his mind started telling him things about himself. He started hearing things in his own mind. He started hearing, oh, I thought I was supposed to be good. I thought I was, I thought I was a good athlete. I thought I was strong. It turns out I'm weak. It turns out I'm not good, right? I had to kneel down with this boy in the stairwell of the dark stairwell of the high school uh, where they held the tournament. And I got to say, son, listen, your failure doesn't define you. You are who you are. You're not, you're not what happened. You're not what happened to you. You are who I say you are. You're my son. You're a Rome. Let me tell you who you are. And I have to build that identity back in. When we find out that God is our father, that's the only way we can find out who we really are. Can I give you one tiny little extra insight on that? When God is your father, look around. These are your brothers and sisters. When God is your father, and God is the father of the other people that you know, Suddenly, you gain brothers and sisters. If I can take you real deep into real deep water just for one second. When God is your father, when God is your father, even those people that you have placed in positions of authority over you, even your own earthly father becomes a spiritual sibling. This is going to hit three people because you're going you're gonna to need this at some point. But what happens is the weight of that relationship falls to where it needs to be. 
so that you're not keeping the, you're not living under the shadow. You're not living under the weight of a specter of a powerful entity. That person becomes who they need to be to you because now you have a father. And actually, your father is their father. That means, that means you better love them. You better forgive them. You better be okay with the fact that God loves them because God is their father just as God is your father. It just fundamentally changes every dynamic, every relationship, negative or positive relationship in your life. It fundamentally shifts everything when you realize God is my father. All right, I'm going to leave that alone. We'll come back and preach that another time. Okay. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. He's saying, listen, let me tell you who you're mine. You belong to me. You're my child. You're, you're made from my image. The imprint of me is upon you. You bear my image. You are breathed. Your soul has been breathed in by me. Your life is from me. You're my baby. You're my child. You're my son. You are my daughter. Last one is this. When God is your father, you live in his favor. When God is your father, you live in, in his favor, in his delight. Some of you may remember the story of uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau were two brothers, and they were competing for the, for the favor, for the delight, for the blessing of their father. And if you remember the story, Jacob wanted to get there first. And so he put his brother's clothes on. He put a goat's skin on his arms to make him woolly. He made himself smell like his brother. And he came to get what? The blessing of his father. That's all he wanted. He risked, his brother was ready to kill him, by the way. He risked his own life. He risked his reputation. He risked humiliation. He risked everything for what? The blessing of his father. All he wanted was to hear his father say this in Genesis 27. He wanted to hear his father say, may God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches. May God give you an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. He was willing to risk everything, including his own life, for one thing, the blessing of his father. He wanted his father's favor. He wanted his father's delight. Did you know that Jesus didn't even start his earthly ministry until his father affirmed him publicly? It was at his baptism. The scripture says that the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and rested upon him. And the father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. That's when Jesus said, okay, now I'm ready to go. Right, Because the public affirmation, the blessing, the favor, the delight of his father was upon him. I'm going to give you one more verse. This is from a book in the Bible that you didn't even know existed. Amen. This is from Zephaniah. Are you ready? Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you, mighty warrior. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in who? In you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you but he will rejoice over you with singing. Do you realize that your father in heaven is singing over you? He is delighted in you. Some of you have never had anybody ever delight in you. Some of you have never had anybody shower their favor upon you. 
And God, your father, is looking at you and singing with delight because he loves you that much. He's delighted in you. I don't know what God sings over the people he's delighted in, but I'm sure it's a delightful song. First time ever I saw your face. Something like that. He's saying, I I love this child. I love this. This is my child. Can I just tell you today, I, I need you to get this. Because when you get shifted into the reality that your father in heaven is delighted in you, I'm telling you, the shame, the condemnation, the fear, the anxiety, the worry, all the dread, all the, all the self-loathing, all the stuff that you're wrestling with, all the, all the relational dynamics that you're fighting, all the deep stuff that you don't know what to do with. Can I just tell you, it just begins to fall away because your Father in heaven goes, I love you, baby. I love you. I've got you. You're mine. So the last question is, how do we experience this dynamic? How do we experience God as Father? How do we go from striving, fighting, trying to either win the affection of our earthly father or trying to live up to the expectations? How how do we move from where we are to where God is calling us to be? How do we get there? Several years ago, we had a young man come to the church who had been away from the church for a long time. And I was taking him for a drive. We were going, we were having a, Uh, a a mobile meeting. Sometimes I'm like, let's just be on the move. Let's talk. Guys talk better, by the way, when they're sitting side by side. I don't know if you know this. Just a little hint. They don't like to sit face to face. It's better to be walking side by side where you don't have to look at the other guy. You can just say what's on your mind. So we're having a mobile meeting. That's just a little tip for all the ladies in the house. Take your husband on drive if you want to know what he thinks. Okay. So we're on this drive and he goes, he goes, I don't know how to get back in God's good graces. I've messed everything up. I've screwed everything up in life. All of it. And I, and I had it good. Like I knew I was a Christian, he said. You know, I, I was with God. It's not like I didn't know. I did know. And I still blew it up. I still ran from God and I messed everything up. Now I want to be with God, but I don't know how. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to get back there. And I said, I said, well, have you ever heard the story about the father that had two sons? And he goes, yeah, that sounds familiar. I go, you might think of it as the story of the prodigal son, but it's actually the father that had two sons. It's about two sons. And he goes, yeah, 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 I, I know that story. I go, what did the son do when he came back to the father? He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, what did he do when he came back to the father? What did he do to get back into his father's good graces. Once he came back, what did he do to make his father love him? He goes, I don't, I don't remember that part of the story. I said, no, you do remember. What did he do? What did he do to make his father love him? What did he do? He goes, I don't remember him doing anything. I said, yeah, that's correct. He didn't do anything. He didn't have to win his father's affection. He didn't have to win his father's love. His father ran off the porch. His father came after him. His father took his his own ring off his hand and put it on his son. Threw his arms around his neck. Killed the fatted calf. My boy is home, he said. Right? What do you have to do 
to experience the love of the Father? What do you have to do? Just accept his embrace. Accept the embrace of the Father. That's all, that's all there is. In fact, if you go to the older son, it's amazing because they're in the, they're in the party. They're having the party, the feast, the music, the bumping. It's good. Food's good. Everything's happening. The older son is out in the field and the older son is mad. I'm going to read you just this part and then I'm going to close. Let's go to verse uh, 28, verse Luke 15, 28. The older brother became angry. The older brother became angry, refused to go into the party. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Now look at this. The younger son, the dad runs off the porch and goes after him. The older son, the dad comes out of the party and says, come, let me get you, right? In neither case did the, did the boys have to do anything to win their father's affection. But he answered his father. He goes, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Remember what the young, younger son said? If I could just be your slave. And the dad goes, you can't be my slave because you're my son. This boy says, I've been slaving for you. In other words, I still don't understand you as my father. I understand you as my taskmaster. I understand you as my slave driver. You understand? He's saying, I've been slaving for you. He thought he could do something to merit his father's love. And the father goes, he says, you never gave me a, a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. I've been working for your affection. But when this, but when this son of yours, my, my other brother, has squandered your property and prostitutes and comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Listen to what the father says to the older son. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Do you understand what's happening here? The father is saying, look, I'm, I'm all yours. Everything I have is yours. You don't have to work for me to make me love you. I'm glad you're doing the right thing. Do the right thing. But it's not a, it's not a transaction. I'm not going to love you because you did right. I love you before you were born. I loved you before you even, before you breathed your first breath, I loved you. You, you, you can't win my love. You can't win my affection. I need, I need somebody to get this today. Your father loves you and is coming after you. Whether you've run from him, whether you've been serving him, wherever you're at, your father loves you and is coming after you. So do this. Forgive your earthly father. Forgive him. Don't put that weight on him. Forgive him. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Your father has already forgiven you. When you, when you ask for mercy, he is quick to give mercy. Forgive yourself. Forgive your father. Accept his embrace and join his party. That's what he's calling us into. He's saying, I want you to come and experience my love and my affection. I want you to come and experience my protection and my affirmation. I want you to come experience the wholeness of who you are by understanding the fullness of who I am in you. Would you stand with me as we close? There are some here who have never experienced the Father's love. Never experienced it. There are others here who for your whole life you've known this story, you've known this reality, you've known this truth, but you've never, you've never experienced it from here, from here to here. Or maybe you forgot, maybe you experienced it for a while. And what I want to do as we close today is I want to, number one, invite the prayer team to come to the front. 
And I want to invite literally anybody who wants to experience God as Father to come forward to the front. If you want to experience the reality of God as your protector, your guide, your affirmation, your strength, could you just come forward, just come to the front. There's, we're not going to do anything crazy. Just come to the front and, ex, and, and accept the Father's embrace. Just have a moment where you accept the Father's embrace. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a blessing over every single person here. And while I'm praying, if you want to come to the front and have somebody take you by the hand or if you just want to pray by yourself, that's fine. I'm going to pray a blessing. And while I'm praying and while your eyes are closed, I want to invite anybody and everybody who wants to to come forward. Let's bow our heads. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth. May everyone who curses you be cursed and may everyone who blesses you be blessed. May you walk in boldness, confidence, and faith. May you never fear. May your soul be filled with the righteousness of God. May you never lack. May your home be filled with laughter. May your heart be filled with joy. May your mind be filled with wisdom. May your hands be filled with strength. May you experience abundance, peace, and power all the days of your life. May you walk in your destiny. May you receive the protection of your heavenly Father, the guidance of your heavenly Father, the identity of your heavenly Father, the delight of your heavenly Father. May you not only receive this blessing, but may your life pour out this blessing to others. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen and amen. Some see.